God bless you and welcome to Yesterday Ended, Healing the Traumas of Life. I'm your host, Dennis Dobbin. Thank you so much for joining me today. There's an old saying that says, there's nothing as constant as change. But we all know change does not happen quickly. And when we are trying to change bad habits and fears and worries, it seems the struggle at times can be never-ending. It's the old two-steps-forward-and-one-step-back scenario. So what do we do when things aren't moving forward as quickly as we hoped, as quickly as we see, perhaps, in other people's lives? How do we keep taking the steps to change our lives for the better, even when change doesn't seem to be happening? If you're having trouble changing your life, perhaps I can give you a bit of hope and help. Give a listen. The journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. I realize I've already quoted a number of cliches or old quotes, but there are certain quotes that are timeless because they are true. In the last two weeks or so, I've driven almost 700 miles for work. One day I started a 137-mile trek one way by getting in my car and turning on the engine and putting it in gear and stepping on the gas, and started the journey. A couple of times recently, I have gotten in the car and driven down the road a bit and realized I forgot something. And then I have to turn around and start over. Starting over time after time can get tedious, sometimes even painful. It's easy to get angry at oneself for having to start over again. There are times when we just want things to change and be done with. So here's another old quote, Rome wasn't built in a day, nor was it rebuilt in a day after it burned down. In the case of rebuilding our minds and hearts to be more Christ-like, and the process is taking a long time, what do we do when we're waiting for the change? What do you do while you wait for your mind to renew and your feet to align with his truth divine? There's supposed to be a change when your thoughts rearrange, when you walk in his way and are faithful every day. When will the change take place and our dark patterns be erased? When will my failing and frustration turn into steadfastness and elation? You must plant the seed of his word, waiting patiently undeterred. Fruit does not grow in a day. Stay faithful and continue to pray. Never forget the battle has been won through the work of Jesus, God's first Son. Stand in the power of his prevailing might. His mighty word has won the fight. Where do we find hope when so often we find ourselves apologizing to God again for not being Christ-like? I've been reading the Old Testament recently. I've almost finished the book of Leviticus. As I've been reading, I realized there were many sins that if you were caught committing them, the punishment was death. Remember, the wages of sin is death, but for us, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank God for Jesus. His sacrifice has saved us from such punishment. As I pondered the strict elements of the Mosaic Law, I saw quickly the differences between God's old covenant with Israel and God's new covenant through Christ with humanity. 
Two words that are used very often throughout Leviticus are clean and unclean. After you brought your sacrifice to the priest and the blood was sprinkled, you were now clean. If you touched the body of a dead person or some other unclean thing, you were to wash with water and in the evening you would be clean. As I consider this function of the law and of the sacrifices, I remembered a verse in Ephesians which I had never fully understood. It's found in Ephesians chapter 5. We'll start in verse 25. Husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. The last phrase in verse 26 always stood out and made no sense to me. What was the washing of water by the word? Why was water included? It is a reference to this old covenant practice of washing with water. But in our case, it's not simply H2O. It's the spiritual life in God's word that cleanses us. By the blood of Jesus and by the word of God, we have been sanctified and cleansed. And if we fall short after we've taken two steps forward and take a step backwards, all we need to do is confess and ask for forgiveness, and we're cleansed from all unrighteousness. The other thing that struck me as I was pondering all this is how the law really emphasized that sin separates us from God. But the Father then reminded me of Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors, through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin does truly separate us from God, but nothing can separate us from the love of Christ or his Father. It says we are more than conquerors in all these situations. We are more than conquerors through the one that loved us and gave himself for us. We are more than conquerors through Jesus, who ever lives to make intercession for us. So next time you take two steps forward and one step back, remember the love of the Father and the love of Jesus continue. One great pitfall in our lives is to identify ourselves as sinners or losers instead of God's beloved children in whom he is well pleased. Yes, we can grieve him, but he always loves us. Try basking in his love and stop worrying about Old Testament-like punishment coming upon you. And as to the journey of our walk, consider how we are taught to do so in Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We are to run with patience the race that is set before us. We are to lay aside the burdens and the sin that bother us. Remember, you're dead to sin, so don't keep it around. Don't hold it in front of your face. Oh, I blew it again. Lay it aside and keep running. Pace yourself. And then there's the next verse that shows us what we are to look at, or should I say, who. We're not looking at the finish line. We're looking at Jesus. Jesus was in a battle with the religionist and the political might of Rome on a regular basis. Even when he had to endure the disciples rejecting him and the Pharisees trying to kill him, he kept his heart to the point of forgiving those who crucified him. Jesus abides within you. You have the ability to walk steadfastly, but if you haven't arrived yet, stand up and keep moving forward for today. Don't let condemnation or fear stop you. The Father is cheering you on in your race. He's there to coach and strengthen you. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God describes himself as the God of peace in this section. He uses that description five times in the New Testament. He doesn't describe himself as the God of wrath or judgment in the New Testament. And it says that he will make you perfect or equipped in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. The Father has not abandoned you, nor will he ever. He predestinated you to be conformed to the image of his Son, and he's by your side to help you make the change. I've been playing a game of solitaire on my phone called Spider Solitaire, which uses two decks. As usual in solitaire, you're ordering the cards in a flush and trying to get all the cards off the board. There are many times when nothing lines up and you lose. On my phone, the game I have allows me to go backwards and try again. I've been at a point where all the cards are stacked up and I've gotten nowhere, and then I start hitting the reverse button looking for a move I may have missed. I may have to reverse 50 or 60 cards or more to try and find my error, but I've done it many times and gone on to win. Yeah, my score was very low, but I won. In playing this game for the last three or four years, I have won many times, even when it looked absolutely hopeless. One thing God has taught me in playing this silly game is to never give up. Proverbs tells us to ponder the path of our feet, our feet being a reference to our thoughts. Step after step forms a path that can be viewed from beginning to end and back again. The ability to review our moves and find the place where we made a wrong turn 
where we can see we've made a wrong decision and then realize it's time to change our mind about something and move forward in the right direction with God and to become victorious. God doesn't give up on us, so why should we? Be patient in the race and keep looking to Jesus. As always, I'm looking forward to hearing your comments on my Facebook page, Yesterday Ended, or through my email at dmdobbin at sbcglobal.net. Have a great day, and God bless you.